we're going to be uh, studying uh, again in the Gospel of John, in, the, 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 in John chapter 8. Um, but as, and we're going to be starting in verse 31. So as you're turning there in your Bibles, I would like to read for us the purpose statement, again, of John, the whole Gospel of John, which is found in John 20 and 31. And it says this, But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So it's important for us, because as we, as we read through uh, the Gospel of John, this uh, purpose statement helps us thread to get together these chapters that we're reading and studying so that we get the whole main big picture of what John is trying to communicate through this book. And that truth is that, the purpose of that truth is so that we may believe in Jesus Christ. And last week, uh, Jacob brought us through the first half of John 8, and we saw Jesus was uh, speaking to a crowd of people, and he was teaching that he was the light, or he is the light of the world. And as a result of what he spoke and the words that he said, verse 30 tells us that many people believed in that crowd because of what Jesus had said. And this is great news because this is the whole purpose of this book of the Gospel of John, to produce belief. However, in the, the, the second half of chapter 8 that we're going to be studying today, we're going to see that Jesus is going to define what true belief actually is and what, uh, and so he's going to clarify what belief is. And, and so um, recently my wife and I, we got a puppy and uh, if you've, ever owned a puppy, you know it's a great joy to have a puppy, but it's also a great challenge and a lot of work to have a puppy as well. And between the potty training, the kennel training, and overhaul uh, behavioral training with all the biting and all the things, um, we found that it was challenging, but one unexpected challenge for me was trying to sort through all of the, the wealth of knowledge of opinions and methods online that you can find for puppy training. And, and so trying to sort through all those things was a challenge. But fortunately, my wife thought ahead, and weeks before we got the puppy, she had set up an appointment for when we had the puppy to take it to a dog trainer. And what the dog trainer was able to do was to clarify for us what um, was best for our circumstance with our puppy, how to train the puppy. And so he brought clarity on how to train the puppy. And as we come to John chapter 8, this morning, Jesus is going to bring clarity to what belief is. And he's going to do that by also showing what belief produces as well. And so this passage is going to teach us that belief in Jesus brings one, freedom, two, identity, and three, life. And so whether you have yet to believe in Jesus or if you have believed in him for many years, this passage will speak to us this incredible truth for all of us to know so that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing, we may have life in his name. Before we begin, let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you have given us your word. You have given us your truth. And by knowing your truth, we can be set free. Father, I pray that as we... Um, are in your word this morning as we are studying what it is you want to speak to us through this second half of John 8. Would you speak to us? Would you give us ears to hear um, and hearts to receive this truth 
so that we may walk in the life and the freedom and the new identity that belief in your name brings. And so we just pray all this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. So let's begin reading now in John chapter 8, starting in verse 31. It says this, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you will be my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus says here that true belief, a true disciple, is someone who abides and continues in his word. And he then clarifies what he means by his word by saying, and you will know the truth. You see, God's word, the Bible, is God's truth. And everything that was written in scripture is our standard of what truth is. Not only that, everything that we read in these words point to Jesus. And so it's not just the red letter, letters on our pages that are Jesus' words, but the entire book of what we call the Bible is the words of Jesus, Jesus' word. And this book uh, is, that we have before us is our clear definition of what truth is. And it's special, and it's not just any other book, right? It's, it's more than just a book with words on a page. There is something significant to what we have in the pages of Scripture. And the first thing that Scripture gives us is that it is our ultimate standard of truth. In, in a world which tells us that truth, there is no truth, or that truth is relative, in the pages of Scripture we have God's authoritative standard of truth. It shows us what God requires of us to be, live lives that are pleasing to him, and it defines for us what is holy and what is righteous. Second, this book teaches us about Jesus. It shows us that without Jesus, we are sinners who are desperately incapable of pleasing God in and of our own ability. Because of this, we deserve God's judgment and wrath. But it also shows us that uh, God, in his great love for us, sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And it shows us that Jesus didn't stay dead, but he rose from the dead, proving that he defeated sin and death on our behalf. Amen. And this is what scripture and the word of God teaches us. But I also love how Jesus says here, and you will know the truth. Not only does this mean that by reading God's word, we will know what truth is, which is certainly a byproduct of reading God's word, but this also speaks to the relationship that we can have with God and with Jesus as we study the word. In John 14, Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. This means that to truly know the truth, we need to be both students of God's word and to also know intimately the one who God's word points to, Jesus, the embodiment of truth. You see, the more I t spend time with my wife, the more I learn of who she is. I learn what gets her excited. I learn these things as I spend time with her because I love spending time with her and also because the more, I s the more time is spent together, the more I learn the intimate knowledge of who she is. And this is the same can be said about our relationship with Jesus. As we abide in his word, as we spend time with him, sitting with him in his presence, reading his word, we will know what God's righteous standard and holiness is, but we will also know his love for us. And all of these things are revealed to us in God's word and in the person 
of Jesus Christ. And this is the true definition of what belief looks like, according to Jesus. It continues and abides in God's word. It knows the truth. And Jesus says, as a result of knowing truth and him, your belief in him creates freedom. Now, we have a definition of what belief is, but what about freedom? So let's continue reading now into verse 33 as we see what freedom is and what it is not. So verse 33 says, They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen in my, with my father, and you, do not, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. From here we get our first truth, which is belief in Jesus brings freedom. Belief in Jesus brings freedom. So Jesus tells them that by believing and knowing him, they will, that, that will make them free. And they get offended because they think, well, we're, we're, we're descendants of Abraham. And so how could we get any freer than that? We, are, we have freedom that comes from our DNA, our bloodline. <clears throat> but this is not where freedom actually comes from. Jesus confronts their false view of what freedom is and where it comes from by showing them the truth of what freedom is. Remember, Jesus is the truth. And he does this by showing them, though they may be descendants of Abraham, that was true, they are still not free because he says anyone who sins is a slave to sin. I think this, this is an important truth for us to understand because if you were to ask anybody on the street what freedom is, they'd probably tell you, well, freedom is, you know, make, uh, the ability for me to make my own decisions and to be my own boss. But this type of thinking is actually contrary to what Scripture teaches us about freedom. In fact, that type of thinking is actually sin because it's, it's attempting to put ourselves over God in our pride and trying to be rulers of ourselves instead of God. And not only that, Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us without Christ is a slave to sin. There is nothing in us and nothing that we could do to, stop, to, to make us free in and of our own selves from being a slave to sin. But here again we are com comforted with the beauty of the gospel. Even though we were enemies of God and slaves to our sin, Christ came and died for us. Now anyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus will be saved and can be set free from sin. Family, this is such an important truth for us to grasp. Because of our belief in Jesus and our relationship with Jesus, we have been set free from sin. We are no longer controlled by our sins or slaves to it. The life, the life of the believer is certainly not perfect. I'm sure you've experienced that you fall short and you still sin. But the difference now is that we don't practice sin. 
Before we sinned all the time, it was who we were. We were slaves to it. We had no control over doing, over not sinning. But the life of the believer is now defined by something different. As believers, each time we fall, it is now an opportunity for us to walk in repentance and faith. This means that we, we turn from our sins and back to God. We confess our sins to God and we ask for his forgiveness. And then by faith, we believe that we will receive that forgiveness. And we will, not because we, we did a good job of saying pretty, pretty pleased with a cherry on top, but because we asked for forgiveness on the basis of Christ's forgiveness for us on the cross. That Christ's work on the cross saves us. And I cannot stress how liberating this is and how freeing this is. No, instead of being slaves to thinking that we're, we, there's nothing that we can do and we're slaves to sin forever, we, we're free when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. For, for a long time, I, I didn't understand this truth. And every time I would sin, it would either be, I would feel condemned or I would think there was nothing that I could do to stop sinning. But then I came to understand this truth, this, this, this blessing of repentance and faith, a life of repentance and faith. The, even though I may be imperfect and I sin, God invites me to walk with him and to, 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 to come back to him in repentance and by faith trust that his finished work on the cross secures my forgiveness and my salvation. And I can walk in freedom to not sin, but to live righteously by the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is what true freedom looks like. It's not inherited from our family or in being in control of our own lives. Instead, it is found in belief and relationship with Jesus. Now let's continue reading, beginning again in verse what belief also brings. It says, But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil. And your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the word of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you do, are not of God. Our second truth this morning is this. Belief in Jesus brings change in our identity. Belief in Jesus brings change in our identity. Having established what belief is and what freedom is, Jesus is showing the change this belief should make on our identity. He does this first by showing what our identity is without our belief in him. He says that when those who do not believe in him are not children of God, but in fact children of the devil. Paul in Ephesians 2.3 tells us that we were by nature children of wrath. So this is who we were before our belief in Jesus, and this is the reality of all who reject Jesus. 
But we also read this beautiful truth in John 1, 12. It says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So the contrast could not be any more clearer. Those who believe, they are the children of God. And those who reject him, who do not believe, remain children of the devil. There's no middle ground. You are either one or you are the other. If you are, believe, or if you are a believer, then your life will look like you believe. Your identity changes. You no longer are a slave to sin, so you no longer practice sin, but instead you live a life of repentance and faith. There is a life of freedom in belief and a life that abides in his word and knows the truth. Or you reject Jesus. That's the other, that's the other choice. You reject him, you do not believe, you want to continue on in your sin and be the one who controls your life, but as a result, it says so clearly here in Scripture that you will remain a slave to sin and a child of the devil. And this is the picture that Jesus is painting for them, not because he wants to be harsh just to be harsh. He's showing them this reality so that they would believe. Remember, so that, that you may believe. He wants them to turn from their sin, to turn from being identified by, as children of the devil and become identified and defined by his sonship. You see, Jesus is the perfect son of God. He is the only one who met every standard that was required of him and was sinless. He is the perfect example of what sonship and being a child of God looks like and what freedom looks like. When we believe in him, his identity as the beloved son becomes our identity. We become children of God because we are identified with Jesus, the beloved son of God. Because Jesus lived a perfect life that we never could, he, his righteousness becomes our righteousness on our behalf. And now we have the, about, uh, the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to live lives that continue day by day looking more and more like Jesus. Instead of being slaves to sin and children of the devil, we can live this way by believing in Jesus. So now that we've seen the change in identity that belief in Jesus brings, let's continue reading to see our final truth of what belief in Jesus brings. It says in verse uh, 48, the Jews answered him, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered him, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will not see death. The Jews said to him, now we, may, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do, not kn but I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see me, see my day. He saw it and was glad. Our third and final truth for this morning is this. Belief in Jesus brings eternal life. 
Belief in Jesus brings eternal life. So as this dialogue between Jesus and the, this crowd is coming to an end, the people's blood are really starting to boil. You can tell by the way that they are responding to him. And, and the belief that they had back in verse 30 seems to have all but disappeared. Yet Jesus is still talking with them. He's still continuing to extend the invitation to believe in him. And this time, he's inviting them to believe and offers the ultimate promise of belief in Jesus. Life. Up to this point, Jesus has shown what that belief brings freedom. Belief completely changes our identity. And now he is showing that belief in him will give you eternal life. I don't know if uh, anyone's ever told you something that was too good to be true. Um, but I know I'm always seeing these scams and these ads that are trying to get you to believe what they're telling you. And many times they are too good to be true. Like a, a way to make money without doing anything or, you know, this huge prize by just signing up and giving them all your information. And some of them are ridiculous and some of them are hard to tell which ones, are, if they're actually fake or not. But now we have a passage like this before us in the Bible. We have these words of Jesus, truth in the flesh, telling us the greatest truth that we could ever hear. If you keep his word, you will not see death. Now, you may be thinking, what about all the people who have believed in Jesus throughout history? Haven't they died? Well, to answer your question, I'm going to read for you the words of Jesus in John 11:25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. So though he die, yet he shall live. What we see here is while our physical bodies will certainly pass away and perish, if we believe in Jesus, we will go on to live with him. <coughs> Excuse me. We will live, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. <coughs> this is a good truth. <coughs> <coughs> excuse me. I'm so sorry. So we will live eternally with God in heaven because of our belief in Jesus. What a promise this is. We have these words of Jesus promising that even death itself, the thing that we have no control over, but we have no ability to stop because we will all face it one day. And Jesus is saying that when you believe in him, you will have life. But if that sounds like it's too good to be true still, you are not alone. The crowd in this passage thought the same thing. And not only that, Jesus had also said, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> Excuse me. Jesus had also said that Abraham had seen his day and was glad. Abraham had lived thousands of years before him in this conversation. So for him to say such a thing seemed totally ridiculous. And so let's see how they respond. Picking up in verse 57. So the Jews said to him, You are not 50 years old. Have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So Jesus says in response to their question, before Abraham was, I am. The significance to what Jesus is stating here is incredible when you understand 
the Old Testament context that Jesus' original audience would have understand, would have understood. You see, back in uh, Exodus, we read that Moses, or God comes to Moses in the form of a burning bush. And he says, God says to Moses to go back to Egypt and to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And Moses uh, was worried that the people would not believe this too-good-to-be-true information that he was going to deliver to them. And so he says, what name should I give to them so that they may believe that you sent me? And, Jesus, and this is what God says in Exodus 3.14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Sound familiar? We cannot miss the significance that this passage in Exodus has for our passage in John 8. In Exodus, we have Moses going to the people, telling them that they are going to be set free from their slavery in Egypt. In John 8, we have Jesus, who is greater than Moses, telling the people that if they believe in him, they will be brought out of slavery and to sin and death. In Exodus, to give Moses the validity to his message that he was going to share to the people, God tells him to say, I am has sent me. He's essentially telling Moses to tell the people, if you don't believe this, if this is too good to be true, let me tell you, God himself will accomplish this. Now in John 8, the people are saying, this is way too hard to believe, Jesus. And instead of just saying, God himself has sent me, Jesus makes this very clear statement of saying that he is God himself. And we also know that Jesus was claiming to be God by his but the response of the people that they pick up stones to try to kill him. They understood his statement of I am, but they didn't believe. And everything that we have been seeing up to this point in, in this passage about belief, and everything that the Gospel of John shows us as proof that we may believe, hinges on this point that Jesus is God. All the promises and results of belief in Jesus the freedom, change in identity, and life. If Jesus were not God, we'd have no real reason to believe these were true. But instead, since he is God, we have no real reason why we should not believe him. So we have two applications for us today. If you have yet to believe in Jesus, you can listen to the words of Jesus and hear him calling you to believe. You can believe that he is God and you can believe that he can save you from the penalty of your sin. I pray that the Holy Spirit would soften your hearts to this truth this morning from his word and that you would believe in his name. And in believing, you would enter into this relationship and receive freedom, a change in identity and life. But for those of you, for us who do believe, those of us who have continued in his word and have known him, let me encourage you to continue to abide in this word. Continue walking in faith in this relationship with Jesus. Do not walk in the identity of the sin that once defined us, the slavery to sin, but instead, by repentance and faith, walk as in the identity of the Son. We have been given this great gift of belief, church. A belief that leads us into a beautiful relationship with him day by day. I pray that we remember this as our identity now in Christ and that we would await with eager expectation for when we will be with him for all of eternity. Let's pray. Father, we are just blown away by the truth of your word that we've seen this morning, that you 
have revealed to us your truth. And in revealing to us your truth, you've given us this beautiful gift of belief in your name. Belief that we can walk in um, forgiveness and a new identity because of what you did for us on the cross. I pray that we would remember this truth. And I pray for those who maybe in here are who do not believe. I pray that they would indeed believe and that they would come to this same understanding of you and relationship with you as well. In Jesus' name, amen.